Welcome everyone. We are continuing our study of Simha. Today we are in class number 24. This afternoon's class is being given, is being given for Daniel Ben Rahel and for Hayim Rafael Ben Frida. They should have Refua Shalema Bekarov. Amen. We are continuing what we discussed last week about the different types of situations Hashem has put us in in this world as humans that we struggle with and why that was done. Last week we spoke about kavod and honor, the desire for people to feel that they, for people to want others to notice them and to give them recognition. <coughs> Today we're going to be speaking about a subject that probably causes more pain than any other midah that Hashem has given us. I think most people don't even realize how much this midah plays a role in the amount of suffering and pain that they experience on a daily basis. I went to a class of young people and I asked them how many of them suffer from jealousy, from kin'ah. And believe it or not, out of 40 people, only two raised their hand. There's no question that those who didn't raise their hand believed that they did not suffer from jealousy. But I think, like most of us, I don't think we realize how much of a role envy and jealousy play in our lives. Hashem gave us this characteristic, this midah, that we're jealous of other people, that we don't keep our eyes and thoughts to ourselves, we don't measure our success with what we have, but rather we look around and we measure what we have in comparison to others. And as we'll see later on, we also compete with others. And so much of our pain in this world, if we looked at it honestly, we would realize it's coming from jealousy. I'll point out a few things, specifically things that are very hurtful, and I apologize that I have to point them out. But I have to point them out because I want to show you that even the most obvious pain that we experience, and we think it's obviously coming from A, 
But if we looked at it, really, we would realize that maybe not all of the pain, but a very big portion of that pain is coming from jealousy. For example, a person who's having a hard time getting married. It could be a boy, it could be a girl, it could be younger, it could be older. Getting married is not an easy thing for a person to make happen. And if I would ask someone who isn't yet married, so I see you're suffering, it's hurting you, I, I see you're in pain. Could you tell me why? And they would say, because I want to get married. So the question is, is not being married in itself a pain? So I guess there might be a certain part of us that feels empty. But in truth, if everybody my age wasn't also married, if everyone I went to school with also was single, for example, when I was 16, I wasn't having issues with being single. And neither when I was 17. Because at that time, even though I was alone, but it was fine. Because everybody that I knew my age was alone. But what makes the pain so difficult is not so much that I'm not married. Single people can have a very, very fruitful happy, accomplished days and weeks and years and life. It's not that you can't be happy being alone. That's not really what it is. But what most of the pain is coming from is that I see so many people that I know and that I was with, and they are. That makes me very, very, very hurtful to me. I have a lot of pain from it. So I don't know what the numbers are, but if it's 100% pain, I would say it's in the 90s that's coming from jealousy. It's because the other people have it. And the same would be with children. Some people struggle to have children. It's a very big source of of pain when a person is not yet having a child. And if you would ask that person, so why are you hurting? And they would say, what do you mean? I want a child. It's so hard. And there is no question that having a child is a big beracha in a person's life. And there's no question that a certain amount of pain would come to a person if they don't have a child. But if we looked at it honestly, we would realize that the overwhelming majority of that pain is not coming because I don't have a child. It's coming because I see other people have children. It's so difficult. This person, I knew them. Why do they have a child? Why are they better than me? All of a sudden, I have to go to a Brit Milat. That's very hard for me. All of a sudden, that person 
has twins. Oh no. So difficult to see a carriage with a child of people that you know, people that you went to school with. Why am I not getting a child? The overwhelming portion of the pain comes from jealousy. And I can give you many, many other examples. The truth is, for most of us, we have enough to be happy with. I say most, really it's all. But I say most only, even we could all agree that we have enough to be happy with. But it's so hard when all of a sudden the guy across the street just seems to have everything that they want. I mean, I'm struggling to just pay the rent. And they're building six-floor homes with all types of extras that... And it's so easy. It's hard for me. I can't afford to pay the car for one lease. I see they have eight cars in the driveway. I'm having... You think it's you think it's so hard to stay in Brooklyn for the summer? Not really. It's really not that hard. At the end of the day, it's the summer. It's nice. It's a little change. Would you like to go away? Maybe. I'm sure it's nice to go away. But the overwhelming majority of pain is not from there. Because other people are away. Vacation time, it's not so much. I know I know a kid that locked himself in a room for over a week because his parents did not go on vacation that year. And if you ask that kid, why are you locking yourself in the room? And he would say, I'm just in a lot of pain. Why? Because I want to go away. But how come last week you didn't lock yourself in the room? Didn't you want to go away last week too? How about this week? How come this week you had the room? What happened? Because the overwhelming majority of the pain is not because you want to go away. It's not because you need an extra car. It's not because you want an extra floor. It's not because necessarily you want to be married or have a child. Even though all of those things clearly is something you would want. But that's not really where 90% or more of the pain is coming from. It's coming because you see others that have it and you don't. So before we dismiss jealousy as something that people struggle with, or maybe my kids are struggling with, or I know some people out there that have this real issue of jealousy, before we dismiss it, we should really realize that it plays a very big role in our lives, in every area. Your kids are giving you a hard time, you wouldn't be the first one. But you know what really hurts? When the kid next door is an angel. You go to, you go to the school and then you're online and the three before you, each one is, wow, your son made your daughter oh, a dream. And then it's your turn. And they're struggling for the, to find the words to describe your son. Things like, he has awesome potential. 
He could be really good if he wanted. We see that sometimes he likes to do the right thing. I mean, they're just trying to find. That's, you know, the good teachers who are looking to give you some something to hold on to. Now, it's not easy to deal with a difficult child. But when you see other children doing great, like, what happened to my kids? Business, same. Your business could be doing well, you're making money, you're paying your bills, you're doing fine. But when the competition all of a sudden hits this big customer, all of a sudden they're shipping 10 times the goods that you're sending out. You were so happy last year with the same business, but this year you just can't handle it. Everywhere and anywhere you go, you're going to realize that jealousy plays a very big role in our life and is the source of much of our pain. So painful is jealousy that sometimes people can't go to their friend's wedding or have a hard time attending a party for something that they themselves don't have. Not to compare it to this because it's not the same. But I know all of us have had experiences where we had something in our house that was collecting dust for like 20 years on a shelf somewhere. Nobody ever played with it. No one ever touched it. No one even saw it. And all of a sudden the kids are playing and one of them takes it off the shelf. And it becomes the item. Everyone wants that one. And they start fighting for it. And there are tears, crying, what are they crying about? For 20 years, the item has been on the shelf. Nobody even touched it. Why is that little girl in such pain that tears are coming down her eyes? For what? Does she need that? No. She didn't need it yesterday or five minutes ago. The answer is jealousy. Jealousy plays a role from our beginnings, the beginnings of our life. It's not because we need the thing that we are in pain. It's because we're jealous of someone else who has it. Jealousy wounds people's lives. I'm talking about ours. It's destructive. It makes people crazy, literally. And it drives people to do the most, ridic most ridiculous things. It brings hate into our lives. And if we look in the Torah, we will find that it's actually a recurring theme. Even amongst people that we would never think struggled with jealousy. The first story of the Torah with Cain and Hevel. The first story with them. It's a story of jealousy. It's two people, two brothers, who I'm sure loved each other. I mean, they only had each other. And they had the whole world to share with each other. And Cain thinks to bring a korban, and Hevel follows suit. He, he too brings a korban. And the pasuk says, Vayisha Adonai el Hevel ve'el minhato. 
Hashem accepted Hevel and he accepted his Korban. But he didn't accept Cain, nor did he accept his gift. And Cain got angry. And his face dropped. It wasn't so much that his korban wasn't accepted. It's never, never happy when you give someone a gift and they say no. Especially if you worked hard. Especially if you gave up some time and money. And they said, no. I really don't want to accept that gift from you. It's hurtful. But when the next person comes and you accept their gift, you didn't accept my gift, Cain couldn't handle it. Especially he was the one that thought of the gift first. The whole idea came from him. We understand Cain. Cain is not a crazy man. Cain is a jealous man. He has a midah that all of us have. It's called jealousy. How is it that he accepted his korban and not mine? Why his kid, not my kid? And of course, we know that Cain killed his brother. That's what type of reaction Kinah led to. He went into a rage and he couldn't handle looking at his brother. Because every time he saw his brother, he saw the man that's causing him all of the pain. Because how did he get accepted and not me? Even though Hevel did nothing wrong. But jealousy makes us do things that don't make sense. Yosef and his brothers is a story of jealousy. Like the Torah says, His brothers were jealous of him. And if you think it's limited to some people, listen to this Meshech Chochmah. If the Meshech Chochmah did not say it, I would never dare to say it. And even after he said it, I'm a little bit struggling not to say it, but I'm going to say it. The Meshech Chochmah writes, he has a big question. A few parashiyot ago we read that, uh, that Moshe was in charge of preparing the Mishkan which was done through oil that he anointed all of the kelim, all of the vessels. And then it came time to anoint the Kohanim. He had to anoint his brother Aharon. He had to anoint his children, Aharon's children, the Kohanim. So the Pasuk, when it tells us how Moshe was commanded to do it, pay attention to these words. Hashem tells Aharon, excuse me, he tells Moshe, Vehilbashta et Aharon et Bigdeha Kodesh. Put on Aharon the holy clothing of the Kohen Gadol. Umashahta Oto. Take the oil, Shemena Mishha, and anoint him. Vekidashta Oto, and then he will be sanctified. Vechihen Li will become the Kohen. 
Then the Pasuk says, okay, Moshe, now after you finish Aharon, ve'et vanav takriv, bring his children. And also put on their clothing. Umashahta otam, and anoint them as well. Here the Torah says, ka'asher mashahta et avihim. Anoint them in the same way that you anointed their father. Sounds like an innocent line, but when you look into it, you realize it doesn't make sense. Because when it says to anoint their father, it gave no detail. It just says, umashahta oto. It didn't say how Moshe should anoint Aaron. It just says, anoint him. There were no specifics given. It didn't say, anoint him in a circle, anoint him in the motion of a square. It didn't say, it didn't say anything. Umashahta oto. Simple. Anoint him. When it goes to his children, it says, and you should anoint them the same way that you anointed their father. Problem is that no detail was given about how to anoint their father. Imagine I told somebody, I want you to open a door and walk in. The next guy said, I want you to open the door and walk in just like the last one. What do I have to mention that for? There's nothing more than opening the door. Says the Meshech Chokhmah. That when it came to anoint Aharon, this is going to be done by Moshe Rabbeinu with tremendous simha. Says the Meshech Chokhmah, De'al ma'alat Aharon, lo haya mitkane. Moshe is not jealous of Aharon. Shehaya Navi, Moshe was a prophet, the greatest prophet. Umelech, Moshe Rabbeinu had the status of a king. Vekohen Gadol too, Moshe Rabbeinu had everything. So when he came to anoint Aharon to be the Kohen Gadol, his older brother to be the Kohen Gadol, Moshe Rabbeinu was way above him. So he would do it with great happiness. Aval. Al-Ma'alat Banav, when it came to his children. We know that Moshe Rabbeinu's children did not follow him. They did not become the next leaders of Am Yisrael. We don't really hear of them. And Moshe wanted his children, naturally. Bikesh lo hazal talas. He wanted his children to follow. Hashem told them, al tikrav alom. No. And now he's going to anoint his brother's children to follow his brother. Says the Meshach Hochmah, Ulai lo yimshach otam besimha rabah ublev shalem. Maybe Moshe Rabbeinu, out of his jealousy, it's hard to say it, but that's what he's saying, out of his jealousy, would not be able to do it with the same happiness and full heart, like he did with his brother. Because here, he doesn't have the same road for his children. 
Why Aharon's children? Could you imagine Moshe Rabbeinu? With everything he's done for the Jewish people. His life is... And obviously if he asked for his children, he must have thought they were decent enough to follow him. He wouldn't ask his children should follow if they were off the derech. But Hashem told him no. For whatever reason. And now he's going to come and Aharon's children are going to be given what he wants for his children, that's going to be hard and he has to do it. Hashem is warning Moshe Rabbeinu, when you come to anoint Aharon's children, you should do it just like you did their father, with the same happiness, with the same full heart. Hashem is telling Moshe, I know you may be struggling with this, but be careful to do it the right way. So for a moment you think that jealousy is not playing a big role in your life, think again. Because no matter what it is that you're suffering with, it's quite probable that a large portion of that suffering is coming from kin'ah, from jealousy. And don't think that jealousy goes away. Don't think it's something that when you graduate from kindergarten or from elementary school or high school or you get older, you've conquered it. Don't think it's leaving you. That was Hashem's message to Cain. He told them, Lama haralach, what are you upset about? Velama naflu panecha, why is your face down? Hello, imtetif se'et. Pick yourself up. You could change. You have the ability to rise above this nature that God gave you. Nobody could be upset at anyone else for being jealous. That Hashem gave every human, that midah. You can't say, oh wow, you have the midah of jealousy. It's terrible. Everyone has the midah of jealousy. The question is, are you going to rise above it? Because we can rise above it. He told them, but you should know that if you don't rise above it, it's going to accompany you till your last dying moment. Till you hit the grave. Jealousy will be causing you a lot of pain. Don't think jealousy expires. It doesn't. It's not an age thing and it's not a money thing. It's not a looks thing. It's not a family thing. It's not even a religious thing. It doesn't matter who you are thing. You are going to have to suffer with this jealousy unless you figure out a way to beat it. That was Hashem's message to Cain. If you don't get the better end of this battle with jealousy, don't expect it to leave you. I once read a story about a man who was very sick in the hospital for months. Not in a good place. Not feeling good. Not feeling good about himself. And yet one of his good friends would come visit him every week. 
And every time he'd come to visit him, it was like a depressing type of visit. You go into the room, you spend 15 minutes with him, the guy is complaining, he's upset, he's crying, he's not happy. Understandably so. So he's going every week to visit his friend. And every week, the same type of visit. A few months later, in one of his visits, he comes into the room and he sees him in a great mood. The guy looks like they gave him some great news. He was so happy to talk to him, very cheery. He went out of the room, he sees his wife, he says, you must have gotten some good news. What did the doctor say? She says, what good news? She says, didn't your husband get good news? Didn't you guys? He says, no, I actually got not such good news. I noticed today your, your husband was very happy. She says, oh, that. He says, remember that guy who opened the factory to compete with my husband like 30, 40 years ago? Remember the guy, oh, the guy that your husband blames all his problems on? Yeah, that guy. Everyone, everyone has someone to blame all their problems on. That was the guy. He says, today my husband saw in the newspaper that that guy got into a car, car crash and died. Guy's in an ICU and his less breath. But yet... Jealousy is accompanying him all the way till the end. There's a few types of jealousy, by the way, and they're not all the same, and we have to be aware of them. One type of jealousy is that that person has what I want. I don't mind that they have it, but I also want it. Let them have the house, but I also want a house. Let them be married but I also want to be married. Let them have a child, but I want a child too. That's one kind of jealousy. Not good jealousy. That's one type, but there's worse than that. There's a type of jealousy where not only do I want, but I don't want you to have. That's a new level of jealousy. We see that by Yitzhak and Pelishtim. Again, the Torah reports what people do when they're jealous. It says that the Pelishtim were jealous. They were jealous of Yitzhak Avinu. So what they do? That all the wells that they dug in the days of Abraham, his father, they Put dirt by Malum Afar, all the hard work to make the area able to get water from the well. They were jealous. So you're not having that. This is not a story of, oh, you have wells? I also want wells. This is a story is you don't you can't have it. There's a famous story, famous midrash. Maybe you've heard it before. Not a very pleasant Midrash, but I'll tell it to you anyway. The Midrash tells a story. It's a mashal. Of two people who were given by the king 
a beautiful deal. One of them was very, very jealous type of person, envious type of person. And one of them was a very big pleasure seeker. Ta'ava ran his life. So the king came to them, or the satan came to them, and he says, gentlemen, I'll make you a deal. I'll give you one, I'll give one of you whatever you want. Make a wish. From both of you, one of you can get whatever you want. And it's yours, but on one condition. The condition is that whatever you get, your friend is going to get twice as much. This was a big dilemma. Who's going to go? Who's going to choose? They gave the envious person the opportunity to be the person that will choose. And now he's struggling with this decision. He's thinking, well... I ask for one plane, I'll get two planes. I ask for one yacht, he gets two yachts. I ask for one house, he gets two houses. He can't. How can my friend have doubled me? He couldn't think, what, what can I get? Where I wouldn't be unhappy. So back and forth he goes, and he says, I figured it out. He says, I want you to take out one of my eyes. It doesn't sound, wasn't, I told you it wasn't nice. I warned you. That's a pretty sick story. But it's a real story. It's very real, much more than we think. The pain of someone having more than me is so big that I'm willing to lose for it. The Torah tells us that when Am Yisrael goes into a milhama, a war, before the soldiers go to fight, so one person gets up to make an announcement. The Torah calls him a shoter, a policeman, an officer, not a policeman. It says, The officers, they would speak to the people and they would say, the following person is exempt. Meaning, go home. There's a war, we need people to fight. But if you are in this category, go home. We don't want you to come fight with us. Who is this person? Mi ha'ish. They say, who is the man? Asher bana bayit hadash, who built a new home. Velo hanacho, he didn't begin to live in it. He's moving in soon. He didn't get the chance to live in his house. 
Yelech veyashov leveto. Which means, go home. Penyamut bamilhama. Because he might die in this war. Veish aher yahnechenu. And there'll be someone else who's going to live into his house. Which means we have a man here who because nobody, because he hasn't moved into his house, he is afraid to die. And I guess this fear is not going to allow him to be a good soldier. We want soldiers who are ready to fight. We can't have soldiers who are coming in with all types of issues on their mind. They're dangerous for themselves and for the others around them. The Torah says, this man, go home. You're not capable of fighting. Why? Because on your mind, you're worried, what's going to happen if I die? I'm not going to live in my house. Now think about this for a second. Every soldier that goes to fight is worried about dying. But I guess that worry is not that big. We tell them, go to war. That a person will not live in his house, that also is not bothering him. Because the Torah says, you know what's bothering him? Ve'ish aher What's really occupying his mind? Not so much that he's not going to live in the house he's been trying to build for the last five years. That's not the issue. The issue is that somebody else is going to live in the house that I built and I'm not going to live in it. That, says the Torah, she says, shel agmat nefesh This is impossible. The man is going to be depressed. He's going to be down. He can't fight. So again, dying itself, I could handle. I could do it. That I won't live in the house that I built ever, I could do it. But the thought of somebody else coming to live in the house that I built, that I cannot handle. Comes the Torah and sees how humans think and says, you go home. We're afraid that you are not capable of fighting this war. That was a story with Korah. Korah was a man who didn't just want a higher position. That would be the first kind of jealousy. You have, I also want. But Korah says, Why are you the leaders? What makes you better than me? He was jealous of Moshe and his position. And it causes destruction. And if you think that this is only for people like Korah, first of all, you should know that Korah was a great man. And I want to tell you the story of Rabbi Akiva and his students. It says in the Midrash that the reason why 
Rabbi Akiva's students died, 24,000 students, within a month's time. How did they all die? Why? 24,000 students. What a yeshiva that was. They all died. Says the Midrash. Which means that their eye or their eyes were narrow in Torah to each other. What does that mean, their eyes were narrow? It means that there was a tremendous amount of competition in the yeshiva of Rabbi Akiva. I'm assuming they were top students. And when you have top students and you put them together in a room, there's a sense of competing. Competing means I want to be better than you. It's not so much that I want to be great myself. I want to be the best here. Ainehem tzara means their eye was narrow, which means when they looked at each other, they weren't happy for the success of the person the guy who raised his hand in shi'ur and gave an amazing answer. They looked at him negatively. They found a way to see the negative in each other. The Gemara says they didn't give honor to one another. It seems to be a different answer. One Gemara says, one, one Midrash says their eye was narrow. They couldn't see, they couldn't be happy for the other person. The, the Gemara says they couldn't give honor to one another. But it's really the same thing. How come they couldn't give honor to one another? How come they didn't come into the Bet Midrash and say, you, you're special. Wow, we're so lucky to learn with you in the same Bet Midrash. I'm so lucky to be in the same yeshiva as you. How come they didn't give kavod? How come they didn't give each other respect? You know why? Because their eye was tzar, which means they saw negativity. And how come they saw negativity? How come they saw the bad in each other? If you would ask them, how is that guy? I think he's got a lot of issues. I don't want to say. He's got a lot of issues. What about that guy? You know, everybody in the world has issues. Just take that as a rule. Everyone's got issues. And if you want to be the kind of person who sees and looks for them, you will find issues in every person, in every situation, and in everything. Because nothing is shalem. The only thing that's shalem is the creator of the world. So if you're a person whose eye is very narrow, narrow means you look always to find the issue, the problem. You will find it everywhere you look. Summer could be an issue because it's too hot. Winter is an issue because it's too cold. And there's too much wind in the fall. And the flowers are coming out in the spring. Allergy season. There you go. I don't want to say it. But... You can find negative in every situation in life. Also, the ages of life. When you're young, you can see, oh, it's terrible to be little. And to be old, it's even worse. And to be middle-aged, that's the worst. Because you're not really young, you're not really old. You're somewhere in the middle, midlife crisis, you don't know where you're going. No matter where you are, what you do, who you are, 
you're gonna find if your eye is sad, if you focus on negative, you will see it everywhere you go. Never think for a moment that because you're seeing something negative, that that's just the way it is. It's your situation. If things were different, you would see the good. Don't think that. Because everything you look at, you could see good and you could see bad. And usually the good is much better than the bad. But if your eye is narrow, you don't, you have a very, very, very narrow tunnel that you look through. You look for something very specific. That's what Rabbi Akiva's students were doing in the yeshiva. Now imagine, these guys are not, these are great people. These are people learning Torah day and night. Really, there could be jealousy in the Bet Midrash? Oh yes, big time. Actually, you'll find it in the Bet Midrash maybe more than other places. Because they're actually jealous of good things. But at the end of the day, it's very unhealthy. And when you're jealous, that means you start to compete. And when you start to compete, your biggest hana'ah is to see the negative in the other guy. The biggest pleasure. If I'm competing with you, my biggest pleasure is to see something wrong with you. Because every time there's something wrong with you, that means one point for me. And if there's a way I can kind of figure out how to let people know about it too, then I'll have even more points. So when someone says, so how is that guy in the yeshiva? So he's a good guy. But I don't want to say. What does that, what does that mean? If I can figure out a way where people understand there's negative there. That's what happened in Rabbi Akiva's yeshiva. There was such a fierce competition to be the top. Who's going to be the top student in this class or in this grade? Who's going to be the one that Rabbi Akiva or the Rebbeim there are going to say, oh, that guy, why is the guy? And they're all fighting. They're fighting for good things. They're not fighting for money. Not that money is bad, but they're fighting for Torah. They're not fighting for furniture. They're not fighting for cars. They're fighting for something beautiful, something eternal. But it was a competitive fighting. So of course they can't give kavod to one. How are you supposed to give kavod to somebody when you're trying to be on top of them? Ayin tzara, a narrow eye, is the eye that comes from the competitive part that lives within us. We see a person, we want to be better than them. We want to be wealthier than them. We don't want to be wealthy. We want to be more than wealthy. or wealthier than them. We want to have more than them. Better than them. In anything that we do. Anything that's important or valuable to us. So again, there's a jealousy that says, he has, I also want. That's not so bad, but it's still bad. Then there's the jealousy that says, no, no. It's not enough that we both have. I need to be on top. That's what happened by Rabbi Akiva's students. They wanted to be on top of the other. And for that, we go into Avelut every year. 
efter Pesach. In a book called Da Torah, by the great Mashgiach, Rabbi Raham, he says an unbelievable thing. He tells the people that he's telling this to that he feels fortunate they didn't stone him after he said this to them. So I'm just repeating what he said. He says like this. He says, in business, there are three types of people. First, he gives an introduction by saying that it's normal that when a person hears his friend make a good deal, guy bought a building and sold it, made tons of money, or something good happened to a person, Maybe they got engaged. Maybe they have a child. He said it in business, but we could relate it to anything. Or the person was in shiur and gave a great answer, a great question. He said it's normal for the people around to say, ah, awesome, so happy for you. Mazal tov. You made a hundred million yesterday. Ah, I'm so happy for you. He says, but inside their heart, he says, they're suffering. They can't believe it. How this guy, he's not even smart. How did he do it? It's killing them. They feel like they should go into Avelut. They're hugging the guy saying, oh, I love you. How happy I am for you. If you could only read his, his heart, you would see bitter tears coming down. He says, it's all sheker umrma. He tells him how much he loves him, how happy he is for him. The other guy tells him also. They both know they're lying to each other. So he says, there are three different types of situations. He says when a person's in business, when he is making money and nobody else is making money, he says, as lefanaf tachlit ha'osher, this is the happiest situation for a person. When my business is up here and everyone is down there. I'm making, they're not. That's Best feeling. It's awesome. He says the second one is when they're both the same. In other words, I'm doing business, they're doing business. We're equal. I get the order, he gets an order. He says this is tsar. This is for most people, he says, this is painful. But I'm like everybody else. I'm just an equal. And he says when the person himself is not making as much and the other guy's making more, he says this is called Yisurim Achimarim. The most bitter Yisurim. That that guy should be more than me. He's not saying it's supposed to be this way. He's saying the reality. He says don't be swayed by the words that people say. Or by the face that they give. Very often we're in the same position. Yes, we show the person that we're happy for them. But we're really not. In fact, we're very upset and very hurt. And bitter. Actually, in this week's parasha, 
talks about the, the tzara'at. When the tzara'at comes to a beged, you can have tzara'at coming, an infliction of tzara'at comes to a garment. So the Torah over there says that before they do anything to the garment, they show it to the Kohen, he sees the garment, he sees the color that was on the garment, it got discolored. So then he washes it. They put it in a wash. The Pasuk says, they're going to see. Vehineh lo hafach hanega et eno. Which means, the nega, the affliction, called nega tzara'at. But the word nega here, that, the affliction, the pain, it means the discoloration. Lo hafach et eno. Which means it didn't turn, it didn't change. I mean, if they wash it and it changes, then fine, leave it. It's fine. But if they wash it and it's still there, says the Torah, it's Tameh. This beggar, this garment is considered Tameh. Ba'esh tisrefenu, you gotta burn it. That's the halakha of the nega tzara'at, the leprosy that comes onto garments. But the wording of the Torah seems to be a little strange. It says, Lo hafach hanega, this area, Lo hafach means it didn't turn it know. I know means simply means the eye. In this pasuk, it doesn't mean the eye, it means the color. It's referring to the color. That the color on the garment did not change after they washed it. That's all it means. But the Torah, instead of using the word color, it says, I know. Lo hafach et I know. That's not how you say color in Hebrew. It should say et marito, the way it looks. Why does it use the word I know? It didn't change its eyes. The answer is that the Gemara says in Masechet Arachin that one of the reasons tzara'at comes to a person is because of tzarut ayin. If you're a person who has a narrow eye, if you're a negative person, you see negative means you see negative in every person that you look at. You find the negativity, you talk about the negativity, you are sameya, happy in the negativity. That's called sarayin. That's why you get negat sarat. Says the Hidushe Harim, that's what the Pasuk means. Hashem sent you this message. He says, lo hafach hanega et eno. You didn't change your eye. You didn't get the message. When you're feeling pain, and after today's class, you realize it's coming from a bad eye. You got to change the way you look at things. You got to change your eye. You got to get rid of jealousy out of your life. It's obviously easier said than done. But that's where the solution to our problems are. The solution is we have to get rid of the narrow eye. Says the Torah, you didn't get rid of the narrow eye? You're still negative? Lo hafach hanega et know. Then you're still going to have to continue suffering in your life. The Hidushah Arim says beautifully 
he says that the word nega, nega means affliction, pain, suffering. The opposite of nega in Hebrew is called oneg. Oneg means pleasure. Oneg Shabbat. The pleasure of life. We're born. We were created. Lehit aneg. Hashem created us to have pleasure. That's called oneg. Ayin nun gima. Affliction, the opposite, is nega. Nun gimal ayin. Says the Hidushe Harim, notice that they're the same three letters. Ayin, nun, gimal. Nun, gimal, ayin. Same letters. Pleasure, affliction. Opposite. Says the Hidushe Harim, what's the difference between oneg, a life of pleasure or a life of affliction? What's the difference? Do they have to change your life? Not necessarily, no. He says, look where the ayin is. If the ayin is healthy, if the ayin is in the beginning of the word, if you have a good, healthy eye, it's not narrow, you're really happy when people are getting married, you're happy when people are making money, you're happy when they're having children, you're happy when they're doing well in school, you're happy when they're healthy, even if you're not 100%. If you have a good eye and you see the happiness and your sameach inside for them, you have oneg in your life. Every milah you attend, every wedding you attend, every news that you hear, your sameach, oneg. That's if your ayin is in the beginning. But if you have a very weak ayin in the end, so take the ayin from the beginning and put it in the end, it spells nega. Nega is affliction. That the affliction a person feels, the pain a person feels in their lives comes because of their eye that's not behaving in a healthy way. That was, by the way, the greatness of Aharon. When Moshe was given the order by Hashem to go into Mitzrayim and lead the Jewish people out of Egypt after hundreds of years of slavery. Moshe tells Hashem, no, I'm not going. I don't know how you do that, but it's a different cause. You tell Hashem, no, I'm not going. Shelah na beyat Send Send Aharon, the one that's been with them for the last 60 years plus, who's been taking care of their issues, who's been dealing with their pain. I've been out of town for 60 years. I'm not coming here on a red carpet and taking the people and leading them out of Mitzrayim. There's no way. My older brother, Shelahna Beyatishlah, send the one you've been sending till now. I'm not going. No shot. Until Hashem promises him, He tells him, your brother, guarantee you, when he sees you, he's going to be happy. But that wasn't enough. That he shows happiness, not enough. He's going to be really happy. 
Aaron be the challenge of Tsar Ain. He was able to see his younger brother, who wasn't even involved in Mitzrayim, had no leadership at all for the last 60 years. And now it's time to get out. The Geulah is here. Now he comes in. How could that be? It's like a person, imagine a father had two children. He had this nice company. And one of his children started to work and they made the nice company into a huge company. The other brother, he was jet skiing or surfing somewhere in California for like 50 years. Not involved, zero. Now the father is ready to leave the world. His two children are there. He's, I want to tell you guys. I love you both very much, dearly. But I want to appoint, as the head of the company, our friend from California. He's going to now lead the company, but I'm sure he'll take care of you. You just follow his orders. How would you feel if you were that boy? You're working 50 years to build the company. You built the company. 50 years. And this guy hadn't spent a day in the company. How much shalom you think is going to happen? Oh, it's going to be a rough ride. That's what happened to Aharon, but much worse. Aharon literally built the Jewish people. He was the gadol of the Jewish people. When people had a shalom bayin issue, they went to him. When people were down, they needed a chizuk, they went to him. They wanted berachot, they went to him. He was the man, he was holding them up. Hashem says, Moshe, okay, you, you come. You lead them. Impossible is impossible. Aharon has such a powerful midah of seeing the good that he saw this and he was Samer, Belibo. I don't think we're there yet. I don't think we're there yet. But I brought that in just to show you what a, what a human is capable of. You're capable to see something that really is yours. You worked for it. You earned it. And it was taken from you almost unfairly. And yet, you could be completely happy. Aharon did it. That's what David Amelah says. Shevet Ahim Gam Yahad. He says, How sweet and how beautiful it is when brothers are able to be yahad, able to be together. Who's he talking about when he says that? What do you mean, aren't all brothers together? What's the issue? And that perek, he's talking about Aharon Kohen. He's talking about Moshe Rabbeinu. How the love they had for each other and the happiness for each other was great even though Whatever just happened, happened. That's where you see real yahad together. When someone could be on top of you and you could be happy for them. Not so easy to do. But definitely possible. So what has Hashem done to us? All we've been talking about for the last hour is negative, 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 negative. We hate people, we're jealous of people. 
Hashem gave us this midah. Hashem put in us. In this midah, you see it in a baby, a little child. He didn't learn anything yet. He hasn't been yet, you know, <clears throat> infiltrated by the other people around. He hasn't been contaminated by the street. Yet, jealousy is riding high by him. He doesn't understand what he's doing, but jealousy is there. Why did Hashem do this to us? That we, A, when we look at what somebody else has, it bothers us. And worse, that we compete and we want to be on top of the other guy. What's the difference what the other guy has? You can only eat yourself. You have one mouth, you have one bed. You have one car, yeah. What, what's the difference? What's going on in the other side? Who cares? Now, of course, when I speak logically to you, I say, of course, yeah, who cares? It's true. it's true. Who cares? I'm eating, I'm enjoying, I have my things. But the reality is that we care. Why has Hashem done this to us? To give us a midah that's so destructive, that takes the oneg, of the purpose of our creation and turns it into nega. Why? Couldn't we just be happy with what we have? Why do we have to measure ourselves? Why do we have to compare ourselves? Why has Hashem done this to us? Like I mentioned last week, every midah Hashem gives us, there's a positive and there's a negative. And here too, there's a positive. What's the positive of jealousy? You know, in the Torah, we are told that on the Mizbeah, on the altar, Torah says, you can never bring devash, honey. Kol seor vekol devash lotaktiru mimenu ishel Hashem. On the altar, never can you bring honey as a gift to Hashem. And never can you bring hametz. No hametz on the Mizbeh, ever. <coughs> Matzah, yes. No hametz. You cannot offer Hashem a sacrifice of hametz. Can never go on the Mizbeah. Yet, comes the Torah and says, but make sure that every korban, al kol korbanecha, every korban that you bring, takriv melach, make sure you put salt. What does Hashem have against honey and hametz? And what is so that they can never go on the Mizbeah? And salt always has to go on the Mizbeah. Why? Says the Hatam Sofer, the Hinuch says that honey represents a person who's running after the sweet pleasures of life. This is their focus. Life is supposed to be pleasure. And we're supposed to enjoy it. But it's not supposed to be our mission. One who runs after life's pleasures 
usually falls short. Hashem says, don't bring me devash. That should not be your focus. The sweet. Hametz, says the Hinuch, represents, you know, Hametz, between Matzah and Hametz, the only difference is that one rises. Rises is referring to Ga'ava. Where a person rises. Ah, he feels elevated above others. Hashem says, don't bring Ga'ava in the Mizbeah. It's not good for you. But salt? I want salt. Says the Hatam Sofer, why does Hashem want salt? The Hatam Sofer says, he brings from the Midrash, that when Hashem separated the lower waters and the upper waters in the creation, the lower waters, the salty water, the ocean water, says to Hashem, it's not fair. Why can that water, why can they be close to you? We also want to be close to you. Says the Hatam Sofer, that's what salt represents. It represents that a person wants to be higher. Says the Hatam, this is a good jealousy. When you see someone doing something good, it's good to be jealous of them. Not jealous that you want to be better than them, no. But I want to be like them. If I see a person working hard, why can't I work hard? Be careful, I want you to be careful. You can't be jealous of the results. Let me explain. I see a guy learning in yeshiva. He's a genius. Being jealous of his brain is not good. Even if his brain is being used for good things. Being jealous of someone's position because of their greatness, not a good thing. Because all those things are not in their hands. The only thing one should be jealous of is when you see someone doing something that you could do. Wait, they wake up early. Why can't I wake up early? Now, it could be that when they wake up early and they learn, they'll be more successful than you. Or they'll be able to give more tzedakah than you. Or they'll be able to help more people than you. It could be. But that's not what I'm jealous of. I'm not jealous of what Hashem is doing for them. I'm jealous of what I am not doing. I can get up earlier and learn Torah. I can try to pray better. I can try to help more people. When I see people dedicating themselves to things that are good, then I'm supposed to be jealous. In fact, Hashem gave us jealousy so that we don't sit around and be happy where we are. The salt was not happy to be on the bottom. It didn't say, you know what, Hashem, you want me in the bottom? Fine, no problem. No. If we didn't have jealousy, we would just be happy as is. If you do something good once a day, you say, you know what, I'm a good person. I'm happy, I'm good. Oh, that person does three good things a day? Eh, good for them, what do I care? That's them and that's me. What do I have to do with them? If we didn't have jealousy, we would never be bothered 
that somebody is doing more than us because we would be so satisfied just like the squirrel and just like the cow. So satisfied. We're good. We're good. Oh, those people are doing, they're building, they're growing, they're good for them. I love it. Hazak Baruch. And what about you? I'm good. I'm very happy. There's nothing burning inside of me that is going to push me to be better than I am today. Because I would be so satisfied. Look, I pray it every day. I'm good. Oh, look, I go to class once a week. I'm good. Look at me. I buy the right foods in my house. I'm a great person. I'm good. I don't, I don't need, I'm good. Someone tells you, why don't you do this? I'm good. But they do it. Oh, good for them. Wow. Very happy for them. That's great. What's that doing me? Nothing. But, you know, they'll have a higher holam haba than you. Great for them. I love it. No problem. But they'll enjoy this world more than you. It's fine. I'm good. Go try to convince a cow that he should move into a beautiful new condo. He says, no, leave me alone. I'm good. But it's dirty here, sir. Go up. It's nice. I'm good. It's good for you. I don't need it. That's not a good thing. It's not a good thing to ignore what you see and be happy. That wasn't said an accomplishment. Unfortunately, we do that the opposite. When it comes to money and what Hashem does for us, we're not happy. When it comes to what we do, we say, oh, I'm good. Baruch Hashem, I'm very good. Most people, by the way, if you ask them, how are you doing spiritually? Say, I'm doing very good. I mean, maybe a little more I can do, but I'm very good. You're not supposed to be sameach behelko. Because if you're sameach behelko, you don't grow. We have no idea how much capacity the human has. You have no idea, and I have no idea, how much we're capable of accomplishing. You have no idea how much growth, how much kedusha, how much hesed, how much Torah, how much more we can do. You have no idea. And I have no idea. It's like, you know what it's like? It's like a person who has zero muscle. Zero. They're as skinny as can be. They lift their arm, you see nothing. Then they go to the gym. A year later, they're working day and night. All of a sudden, they have these big biceps. They're like, whoa. Where did they come from? Imagine you go to Israel for the year, come back. Say, hello. Where'd you get those? Now, the truth is, it's a good question. Where did they get them from? Were they for sale in the gym? Where did they come from? Where were these muscles last year? It's a great question. Answer is, they were always there. They didn't get them from anywhere else. The weights didn't make their muscle. The muscle was there always. But you would never know if you didn't work yourself out. The capacity of a human for their greatness in every spiritual area is way beyond our imagination. And if we would be satisfied with ourselves right now, we should not, yes. Are you saying, Rabbi, we shouldn't be happy with ourselves? The answer is yes. You should not be happy with yourself. You should be happy with, with what Hashem gave you. 
that you should be happy with. But with what you're doing, no. You could do more. And you know it. You could do a lot more in your life. You know what gives you that fire? It's called jealousy. Because you see other people and you say, Whoa, they can do it. Why can't I do it? That's a good jealousy. That's something Hashem wants from us. Kinat sofrim When you're jealous of people's accomplishments, it makes you a better person. Don't feel that because you're doing good, it's enough. You know, there's a mitzvah. I had mentioned this once before. There's a mitzvah, and it's a very weird mitzvah. In the Beta Mikdash, we know the Kohen is the one who does the Avodah. He does the work in the Beta Mikdash. So the halacha is that when he goes in the morning to start doing the Avodah, the Korbanot, the first thing he has to do is a mitzvah called Terumat Hadeshen. He has to take the ashes from yesterday's korbanot. All day they had korbanot yesterday. All night they were burning the fats on the mizbeach. He comes in the morning. The first thing the Kohen does is he takes from the ashes and he puts it down next to the mizbeach on the floor. Now this is a very surprising mitzvah to give a Kohen. Kohen is the priest. Those types of things you have janitors do. When a rabbi comes to give a class, you think he's there cleaning the room, vacuuming, washing all the tables, and what are you doing? You're telling the Kohen to go clean up yesterday's mess? You don't think you could find somebody else to do that? No, we tell the Kohen, go, clean up, and then you could bring your korbanot. Why does he have to clean up? Rabbi Hirsch, Allah Shalom, says beautifully, I don't have it in front of me. He says, I'm telling you one of the most beautiful commentaries I ever saw. He says, Hashem is telling the Kohen every day, you see yesterday's korbanot? It's over. It's done. Today is a new day. Take the korbanot of yesterday and put them down on the floor. And the words that he uses, they're not exact words, again, I'm not quoting. He says, the death of tomorrow's accomplishment is yesterday's accomplishment. When you think about how much you've done and how much you've accomplished and how much you do, you should think about your accomplishments to give yourself strength, but not to weaken yourself. When you spend your time and your thoughts thinking about what you do, what you've done, then it makes you feel that there's no need to do more. We tell the Kohen, you see yesterday's? Gone. Goodbye. New day. Stop talking about yesterday. Start dreaming about tomorrow. Kin'ah does that for us. You know how many of us have grown through Kin'ah? Because we saw somebody learning, wow, that looks great. I want, why can I do that? I also want to do that. It's a, 
That's why Hashem gave us kinah. That when we see somebody have something, again, you can misuse it. Here's the good one, here's the bad one. I'll make it very clear. When you see somebody who Hashem gave them something that you don't have, that's not a good kinah. Because that has nothing to do with you. You're not in control. So you're jealous of what Hashem gave them. That's using your jealousy for something that isn't good. Because after you realize Hashem gave them what He gave them, what are you going to do? There's nothing that you could do. He just didn't give it to you. That, that kin'ah doesn't make you better, doesn't make you stronger, doesn't make you greater. It just makes you greater depressed. It just makes you very unhappy. And it makes you super frustrated. Why does he get that and I don't get it? Why does she get to do that and I don't get to do that? So where is that going? So what are you going to do? You're going to manufacture a baby? What are you going to do? You're going to get something that Hashem says you're not getting? That kin'ah, it produces energy. When the energy can be used, like when I see someone doing something, I also could do that. So then the kin'ah is bringing energy, and the energy is going to be utilized. And it's going to make me work harder, get up earlier, be less lazy, be see that I could do more than I thought. Wow, that's great. That's a beautiful kin'ah. That's a healthy kin'ah. Hashem says that's like the melah. That's like the salt. I want every korban with salt. But the jealousy of why did they get that? Why am I not as healthy as them? Where is that going? How could you succeed with that? Why are my children not like their children? What is going to change now? Hashem will never give us something that's good. Because like we said already a few times, then there's no free choice. Imagine Hashem would just give us the good jealousy. You'd only be jealous of people of what they do. Jealousy is a must. If you tell someone don't be jealous, you're telling them to do the impossible. You're basically telling them not to be human. You can't tell someone not to be jealous. It's not possible. Hashem made jealousy as a must in every human. You have to be jealous. There is no way around it. If you expect to conquer jealousy by beating jealousy down to where you don't care about anybody in the world and what they have and what they do, then, first of all, you're going to be a dead person. You're supposed to care about what people do. That's what Hashem made you. But where do you focus? Do you focus on what you can do that they're doing? Or are you focused what Hashem is doing to them? That is really the battle of jealousy. Where are you directing your jealousy? That's why when you read great books about great people, it's such a beautiful thing to do. I always tell people, you want Hezuk? You really want to change your life, put a book next to your bed about some great personality and just read about them. 
You know how powerful that is? You know what happens when you're reading about a great person? You start to get jealous. That's what happens. Now, if you're jealous of their honor, if you read a book on Rav Chaim Kanievsky, that's how, and you're jealous of how many people came to his funeral, or you're jealous for how many people came to give him honor, or came to get berachot from him, then you got the wrong message. And all you're doing is making yourself suffer. But if you could look at Rav Chaim Kanievsky, or anyone who's accomplished, and see them, and see you in them, say, why can't I do that? I can do more. I can help. If he can have a thousand people coming to his house every day, so why can't I have more visitors, people who need me? Why can't I help that person? If he can struggle, like Rav Nassim Finkel, if he could struggle with Parkinson's for 30 years and build the yeshiva, so I have a little headache, does that mean I should just check out? So I know it's hard. I'm suffering a little bit. Does that mean I can't accomplish more in my life because I have some pain? Oh, wow. Look what he could. I can also do that. Having great people around us, either physically or through books, is a tremendous koah. But only through jealousy could you take care, could you take advantage of that koah. If you read a great book about a great person and you don't have jealousy, you say, okay, great, very nice, good for them. But that's not how we do it. We have jealousy. And if we direct our jealousy in the right way, we won't have the other jealousy. It's one or the other. You can't beat it, trust me. You cannot beat jealousy. You can't beat God's creation. It's in you. You're not getting rid of it. So either you start focusing your jealousy in growth, or jealousy is going to beat you. Either you beat it, or it beats you. It's one or the other. There's no way around it. Hashem gave us the energy. It's our choice freely to choose where we direct it. We can have oneg if we direct it in the right place. Oneg, growth. Who has suffered from growth? Which person suffered when they grew and started to keep Shabbat? Oneg. All you feel is oneg. Who grew when they re- who who suffered after they started becoming more tzanua and more modest in the way they talk and the way they dress? Nobody suffered. Oneg. Who suffered from making berachot? You suffered? Nobody suffered. Nobody suffers from learning Torah. Oneg. You grow. You, you suffer from helping people, from writing big checks, from being there for people when they need you. No. You suffer when you start seeing the world in a different eye with good and you start seeing the good in people. You don't suffer. So you choose. Are you going to use your jealousy to grow? Or are you going to use your jealousy to get the best, it's going to get the best of you. And finally, if you ask me about the other type of jealousy, why do we need that one? Why do we need to be so competitive? Why is that important? I mean, the first type of jealousy, I understand. They have something, so I want it, just like them. So I know now why I have that jealousy. Because I should want like they do. I also should do that. But why did Hashem create this? It's not just jealousy that I also want. I want to be on top of you. 
Why do I want to be on top of somebody else? What does it matter? I'm one human who lives my own life. Why should it matter that I'm on top of somebody else or they're on top of me? When we're living, I'm not connected to them. There are no chains between us. I don't go where they go. Who cares who's on top? I live my life, you live your life. Why are we even measuring? Why did Hashem put into us that we measure, are we on top or are they on top? Am I winning or are they winning? What is that for? Where is the advantage in the competitive spirit that Hashem has infused in us humans? Why do we need that one? And the answer is, there is one good form of competition. There is. To be on top. To be on top of yesterday's you. To compete against yourself. Even if there is nobody that you're watching to be jealous of, like the first that I mentioned. But guess what? Yesterday's you is dead. Yesterday's you is not here anymore. Time that passed yesterday, look at it, one second, gone, it's dead. Yesterday's me is gone. <coughs> Competition tells me I want to be better than yesterday's me. I want to rise above myself. That is very important. Like I mentioned, we're capable of so much. Imagine we didn't have that competitiveness. We wouldn't mind being low vis-a-vis -vis ourselves. But now Hashem says, no, no, be better. So what do we do? Instead of being better than ourselves, what do we do? Instead of directing it at me, I directed it at her, at him. I'm going to be better than you, on top of you. Which doesn't matter, who cares? It's just a painful experience to start comparing yourself to others. All it does is hurt you, hurt your relationships, make you angry, make you hateful. Because you're using competitiveness for the wrong reason. It's free choice. You think Hashem is going to give you the competitive spirit and only you could use it for good? So where's free choice? Your choice and my choice is where are you directing it? So if you want to stop looking at others and competing with them, which everybody should want, because all it does is cause nega, all it does is make pain in our lives, you got to start competing with yesterday's you. You got to start always taking hashbon and nefesh. Take accounting. What did I do yesterday? Oh, I could have done that. You know something? I wasn't happy enough when I greeted that person. I could do better than that. Yesterday I woke up a little bit lazy. I could do better than that. I could pray better than that. I could greet my husband better than that. I can be more patient than I was yesterday. I'm better than that. I can bring more shalom into my life. Yesterday, 
wasn't good. I could do better than that. What a gift Hashem gave us. The cow never thinks about yesterday's cow. Never says, oh, let's be a better cow today. The cow will be the same from day one till day, last day of its life. And never feel one day bad about it. So on one hand, it doesn't have nega, but it also doesn't have oneg. It's up to us. That's what Hashem gave us. I'll just end off by telling you. Today we discussed, in summary, the gift of jealousy that Hashem has given us, mankind, to allow us to grow from other people, to allow us to compete against ourselves. Not allow us, to push us. And we have to be careful not to misuse it. It's a very big challenge. But like I said, if you channel it one way, you'll be saved from the other one. But there's another part to jealousy that is so critical for our greatness besides everything that I spoke about, which is a lot. I think I'm going to stop here. There's a little more about jealousy that I want to discuss with you. That is that the Shem will start next week. Baruch Amen. Amen.